1: Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by E.P. Wealth. Inflation cools. That's the headline to start the day. Will the market respond? Let's get into it today. Inflation rose at an annual rate of 4% in May, the lowest in two years. Typically, you hear me say on the show, the market wants things somewhere between 2 to 4% in GDP growth. 2% is a little bit too low in GDP growth, 4% is a little bit too fast in GDP growth. Inflation's the same kind of number. Where 2% is per- maybe 1% is perfect. 2% is what Fed wants, 3% is what we settle for. In reality, I think it's also a 2 to 4 kind of number where 4 just feels very high but not ridiculously high. Will today play out with the market rally on this news? We'll get to it. NASDAQ yesterday was up one and a half percent. The SP 500 was up nine tenths of one percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up one half of one percent. Big winner, winner, big winner, winner. Everything did pretty well. The 10-year Treasury I haven't talked about much this year, or at least in the last three months, It's at 3.74%. It seems to be able to get the stock market to rally until it gets to 4% and then becomes very, uh, will the Fed Reserve be pleased with interest rates and uh, keep them where they are and not raise at their meeting tomorrow? It's a good question. In theory, they don't have access to this 4% read that we had today by the time they've already made their decision. Other things to consider in the world of headlines, JP Morgan agreed to pay Epstein victims yesterday $290 million. Holy mackerel, that's a lot of money. That has to be a lot. I, I think we all have opinions on this. They're not paying that because they're innocent, they're paying it because they had some sort of financial relationship with him, even after he was accused. Victims claim the institution ignored red flags. The agreement comes after J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon was deposed in the suit. If the judge approves the settlement, it won't totally resolve J.P. Morgan's Epstein-related headaches. The bank still has a suit coming from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Of note, Deutsche Bank settled a separate lawsuit of, with Epstein's victims for $75 million. $75 million to $270 million. $290 million. that's a pretty big jump. Donald Trump's going to have his day in court today. The foreign president's expected to appear in court in Miami after surrendering to authorities to face the a 37 count indictment, accusing him of legally retaining highly classified documents after he left office. I think really what he did that upset the government was he didn't return when he was told to. I don't think they wanted to be in this position And had everything gone copacetic, maybe it wouldn't have happened. Generation Z came to court to slay yesterday as the trial kicked off a landmark lawsuit filed by young people in Montana who claim inaction on climate change has violated their right to a clean and healthy environment. Ain't that interesting? 16 Montanans, I think that's what they're called, filed suit saying that they have a right To a clean and healthful environment. Not sure that's in the Constitution, but as far as the rights go, it'll be interesting to see if that goes anywhere. Elsewhere, what do we have to hit? Uh, I-95 yesterday closed for two days now. After a gasoline tanker lost control and crashed, causing a fire that led to a collapse of one of the busiest parts of the highway in North America that goes from Maine to Florida. Lots and lots of traffic. What that gets to is um, lost commerce. And the only thing that I want you to get out of this is the concept That when you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic, that's lost commerce. That's lost time. That's lost money. So car crashes, roads being shut down, roads being in poor condition. When you hear about an infrastructure bill and you drive on roads, I'm one of those people that go, I'm good with that infrastructure bill. Almost automatically, it's whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. Pat Sajak, um, he's retiring from Wheel of Fortune after 41 years. That just kind of blows my mind. I think I, I think this is fair to say. We probably all kind of grew up in some way, shape, or form watching Pat Sajak. I won't get too heavy. I won't cry. I promise you. Let's talk about today because we just finished talking about yesterday. What happened? There was no big story yesterday. It's today. It's the inflation thing. The S&P 500 has increased in four straight weeks. The NASDAQ up seven straight weeks. You tend not to see winning streaks like that for too often in your life. The S&P gained... Nine tenths of percent. It broke out above forty three hundred to log its best close of since April twenty twenty-two. The NASDAQ is continuing the strength of the megacap stocks, including Tesla, which jumped for a twelfth straight session. Again, you tend not to see that kind of momentum. The excitement over the Fed possibly, possibly skipping a rate hike this week. The economy potentially avoiding a hard landing with jobs numbers that we've seen recently. The treasury market digested nearly $200 billion of new debt. There was no fear yesterday. The fear was not of inflation. The fear was not of a recession. The fear was of missing out. Oracle had a reaffirmation of 2023. So they reaffirmed that numbers look good. Home Depot. Um, same. The consumer price index for May went the market's way, and suggesting the Fed is likely to hold off ratings uh, raising rates t- to tomorrow, Wednesday. The CPI was up one tenth of percent month over month in May. Core CPI, which excludes food and energy, increased four tenths of one percent as expected. On a year over year basis, the total CPI is up four percent versus four point nine percent in April. So this is the May reading. That's a nice drop. That's the smallest change since the 12 months ending March 2021. Key takeaway from the report is that inflation rates are moving in the right direction. Inflation rates, not interest rates. Inflation rates are moving in the right direction, which is lower. Now, keep in mind that the numbers in inflation Still not where the Fed wants it to be. There is still going to be a prospect of another rate hike in July. We're kind of in a slow it down, let's see what's happening kind of mode. It's going to be particularly interesting today to see where the market goes after the open, after the first hour. If excitement and fear are still driving things, and it stands to reason that the prevailing trade will be higher again the big day is tomorrow i'm sorry if i'm anti-climatic we kind of expected this inflation number to be lower it was now we wait not to see what the fed does no one's expecting them to do anything we we see that wait to see what they say about what's next big event coming up in corda madera uh not Corda madera carlos what's wrong with me Getting my Bay Area city's all messed up. Pints and Portfolios at the end of May. Sign up at Rob Black, At the end of June. Sign up at robblackshow.com.
2: Join Rob Black in San Carlos Sunday, June 25th for Pints and Portfolios, a less formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with $500,000 or more in investable assets. Drop by Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4 for a little sunshine, some financial chit-chat, and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from Ryan Ignacio, CFP, from EP Wealth Advisors. Whether you're on the road to retirement or already there, this financial snapshot can provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Go to robblackshow.com and click the Events tab. Find Pints and Portfolios and click to register. You'll answer a few simple questions about your situation and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited and registration is required,
1: so go to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com. I'm not going to get stuck on this because I know it's not really big financial news, but Pat Sajak retiring from Wheel of Fortune, he's done it for 41 years. He's 76 years old, so I guess he started around 35, right? USA Today incorrectly states that he's been with the show since its inception in 1983 because I remember Chuck Woolery. And he—that goes back to 1975. What's amazing is Merv Griffin talking about a good investment. Um, he was—he he, he founded—he started a lot of game shows. And when you sell those into syndication, you make a lot of money. There's some sort of business story there, isn't there? Working until you're 76 years old—pretty uncommon, in my opinion. Um. Hey, something about our nation. Uh, if if we were to dream big, I'm, I think we're in trouble because we look at Alex Trebek and Pat Sajak and we go, "Wow, look at those careers." I know, I know. We also have Elon Musk. Time to start buying your Nikola Nikola Jokic um memorabilia. I was shocked to see how much his his clothes are going for already i know he's a two-time mvp and there's something to say about collecting sports memorabilia of mvps we clearly see it with lebron james and michael jordan the denver nuggets center has quickly become the nba's hottest player having a monster season closing it out with a big victory last night last august after his second mvp season a game-worn Jersey from his rookie season sold for $31,200. An autographed shoe that belonged to him is currently for sale for $3,600. It's a big old size 15 shoe in case you want to see if you fit into it like Cinderella. A game worn jersey from 2021. Currently going for $8,000. Now, again we've seen some of the jerseys going for 31,000 and some of the individual games going for 8,000. I find that kind of ridiculous. It is what it is though, right? Some people probably say collecting comic books is ridiculous. Some people say probably collecting stocks is ridiculous. I get it. I I guess we all find our assets where we find our assets. Many years ago I went to Google's campus. In the mid-2000s. And they had a cafeteria. And I remember, wow. All this stuff is free. They're encouraging employees to stay on their campus and not leave campus. Work at your desk with free sushi. Green smoothies. Gourmet chicken. Google's campus was pretty impressive to the point when I gave a speech at Visa's campus. The millennials were like, we want Google's kitchen at Visa. They didn't care that they were getting 3% match in their 401k and 3% match in a cash account. One of the most generous benefits I've ever seen. The financial crisis of 2008 has moved. Um, The tech correction of 2000, 2008, and then 2020 with COVID has kind of changed things up in Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley has always been about booms and busts. It's the center of business shaping technology. It's changed our culture. Evan Williams, the co-founder of Twitter, he paid the Dalai Lama's cell phone bill for years to ensure he would keep tweeting. That's funny. Google's not the same company it used to be. And the benefits and the running as fast to keep employees happy seems to be slipping. The lights have dimmed. There's still optimism. The good times in tech feel to be getting a little bit dimmer, though. Big tech companies are no longer hiring tens of thousands of people as their market caps are ballooning. They're now starting to coal their employees, cutting back. I'm not saying the golden age is over, but it feels like Silicon Valley is getting a little bit more sober and down to earth as they approach their employees on just a different level. So I started off saying that inflation came down, slowest annual rate of increases since April 2021. Stocks are rising on that news in the first hour. But as I told you, let's wait for the first hour to get it into play. By the end of the first hour, the reaction is cooled. So see, I'm seeing the SP 500 pull back about half of its gain. The Nasdaq pull back about half of its gain. Crude oil is moving higher today. Russell 2000 is a big winner. Now again, that's what I want to see. This has been a theme all year long that the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ are outperforming based on 7 to 10 stocks. You know who they are. It feels like I have to say them every time. AMD, Amazon, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Meta, Google, Qualcomm, Apple. If I forgot one, I'm sorry. Tesla. (laughs) Let's throw Tesla in there, right? It's funny that I know I never threw Tesla in as a tech company. Um, so things are cooling a little bit, but the big story to me today is the Russell two thousand is showing participation. It's up one point three percent, while the Nasdaq's up one quarter of a percent. In the end, we want the S and P five hundred to work. If we're going to use that index as an example, we don't want the S and P top 10 to work, we want the other 490 to work. Whether it's names like Comcast or McDonald's, whether it's uh, potentially names like Target or CVS or Visa, we want those stocks hitting 52-week highs as well or moving higher on a year-over-year basis. It gives you the feeling that the overall economy is doing well and not just big tech. There's a big thought right now, and I don't agree with it completely, partially I do, that tech companies like the Big Ten that I mentioned, the Microsofts, the NVIDIAs, the Amazons, the Metas, the Qualcomm's, the Apples, that they're going to see people spend money on their product in the next year. But there's a big concern that individuals won't spend money on other parts of the economy if there's a recession. It's interesting that the retail, uh, the consumers weak, but the tech capital expenditures is strong. I don't think it plays out quite like that, but it's it's the right idea. We're definitely seeing money coming into tech. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth Certified Financial Planners. Online at robblackshow.com. I try to bring you a show that gets your financial sensibilities tingling. Some days are better than others. Today, I'm not feeling a lot of love for myself. I tried to get a segment across about Nikola Jokic's amazing season and how is it working or not working at auction. And some of the notes that I took yesterday um, being a Serbian superstar hasn't quite put the most being the most valuable player hasn't quite put him at the hot list of auctions. And it turns out that if you play guard or forward, it's better than playing center. If you're outside the United States from where you're born, it hurts your auction value. If you're on a team like Denver, who just won their first championship versus a team like Chicago or L.A., who's won many, many, many. uh, It's a strike against you if you're from a small market. You got to get these financial sensibilities working for you. With inflation, it really hurts the middle class and the the lower incomes of the United States. So today's news is it's lovely. We want wage inflation to be kind of close to food inflation. But there's other types of inflation that that clearly we want to see come down. And fortunately, one is, we're going to talk about this segment, renting. For renters considering to move, it's always nice to say, you know, I'm going to take a job in another city. Rent increases this spring have been slower than usual. Unfortunately, the nation's largest city, New York, is seeing higher rents. But we are, as a nation, moving in the right direction. Nationally speaking, up six tenths of a percent between April and May. About even with April's increase, but a slightly slower gain than the tenths percent typical for this time of year. Rental growth has been moderating since reaching a high of 17% year over year back in February of 2022. So now that we're at a much lower level, lower number, it feels a little bit better. The average rent in the United States, $2,048. Now, not seeing that 17% year over year, 17%, it's bad. When I see numbers like that, I'm like, oof, that, that's taking a big chunk out of our youth. The slowdown indicates that renters may be tightening their budgetary belts and doubling up with roommates as higher costs and lower excess savings. Make it less tenable to rent a place of your own. When I was in college. I rented a house for a thousand dollars. That had five bedrooms. And I took a bedroom and then I rented each of the other four bedrooms for roughly two hundred fifty dollars each. Thus, I had no rent. Now, would I do that again when I tell my kids to do that? No, because you know what, how much it stinks to get your roommates who are in college to say, hey, it's uh, February 26th, months over in two days. Can I can I get some money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for my check, my paycheck. And like, yeah, 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 I'll get it to you. The landlord would charge me extra if we were late. I really didn't have much room to complain, did I? But rents have climbed nationally over the last five years. And that crimps young people. The continued slowing in national rent is a positive for inflation metrics, like the CPI. Shelter is a big part of it. The CPI subsection measuring the cost of shelters remained relatively hot, even as increases in asking rents have declined. Rents have climbed nationally over the past five years. The inflation gauge typically lags behind changes in asking rent because of its methodology, so it's a little bit flawed. Renters seeking a new lease may find that they've got a bit more bargaining power now than previous year uh, months or years in this case. Now, again, when you sign a lease, you typically are in for a year. That's why the numbers come down really, really slowly. New York's heavy renter population means rising costs in the city have the potential to affect a lot of households. Only about a third of residents, in the nation's largest city by population, were homeowners in twenty twenty one. It's interesting when you put it that way, right? That they're the biggest city in the United States with the most renters percentage wise. Because it's so expensive. Rents are really weak in Portland, but really strong in New York. Other metropolitan areas with small growth in rent from month to month include Atlanta, New Orleans, Los Angeles, and Miami. Heinz is coming out with six new flavors of sauces. When I say Heinz, you say ketchup, right? Well, now they're coming out with creamy chimichurri. Hatch chili ranch. Yuzu wasabi, black garlic ranch. And brewery mustard. And I think one more that I forgot. What's interesting note about this is kids today love hot sauces, kids today love spices. And if you're Popeyes fried chicken, you introduce a blackened chicken sandwich because of the spices. Worthy of note that's not lost on Heinz as well. Let's go elsewhere, shall we? Let's talk about estate planning. Every show, I want to do a segment on some sort of strategy, right? And. When you're 50, 55, 60, this is definitely the time, if you have not to start thinking about your estate plan, you don't want to die without a legal will. Aretha Franklin died without a legal will. Prince died without a will. I guess I can understand Prince a little bit more than Aretha Franklin. What documents do you need? You need a trust. If you have a home in California, it's a legal contract that's going to allow you to name someone to manage and oversee the assets you bequeath for the benefit of the people you name. It's a little bit more complicated than just a will. I have a trust that will manage assets for multiple generations. You need a power of attorney. This is interesting. A friend of mine, he's um, he's got an eight-year-old kid. And the eight-year-old kid's best friend moved to Chicago a couple of years ago. So anyway, the Chicago eight-year-old's coming to visit for two weeks. His mom goes on vacation with dad for two weeks. And I asked my friend, I said, did you get a power of attorney? And he goes, no, what's that? And I said, well, if that kid gets hit by a car and you need to take him to the hospital, the doctor's going to say, are you the mother or the father? And he's going to say no. And the doctor says, I can't do anything until you get me a power of attorney or get mom on the phone or something. And I said, I want to take a kid for two weeks. Um, I'm generous, but I'm not that generous. And if I did, I would certainly have a power of attorney. But a power of attorney is a document that grants a trusted person to act on your behalf. And for me, I have a power of attorney that's set up with a friend to act on my behalf if I go into a coma or if I get um, dementia. I've started to itemize my inventory. That's the weird thing about a trust. I actually have some paintings that are worth some money and I have some heirlooms, my mom's frying pan that I want passed on. I don't want it to end up at a yard sale. And one son says to the other son, Hey, where's dad's frying pan? Oh, I sold it. I've taken pictures of said documents and paintings that are included in my trust. I've documented my non-physical assets, not just my paintings and my frying pans, but my 401ks, my IRAs, my brokerage accounts, my insurance policies, my homeowner's policy, my auto, disability, health insurance. It's all there. It makes it easier when you put more documents in your trust that have critical information with things like account numbers, companies, contact information, I have left a string of information for my children on how I want them to manage the money. And it's pretty interesting when you put it in writing. I've got a list of debts. I'm not debt free. I've got credit cards. I got mortgages. Don't have a home equity line of credit right now. But if I did, I'd put it in the trust. So I've made it easy for my kids to find all these agreements. When my dad died, the children had to go through his desk and figure out what he had and what he didn't have. And it's tragic to say this out loud one more time. He had a $400,000 life insurance policy that he let lapse four months before he died. And here's the thing that sucks. He was told you will be dead in six months. All he had to do was put two and two together and make sure he paid that bill. And my mom would have had more money. Um, I've documented all my memberships for my kids. They can stop them. I've made copies of all my lists. Um, I have one in my um, EP Wealth account. has what's called a vault, an online locker, that I store all my data. So you really have to start doing these things while you're alive, and you have to review them every five years. Ten strongly consider an estate planning attorney or a financial planner to help you with these things. Find me online at robblackshow.com. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm going to give you a stock tip this segment. I'm going to try to make up for uh, a pretty horrible show. I've had the right ideas. I just haven't had the storytelling execution. First and foremost, let's take a look at the stock market and, and get the vibe. The market's reacting to the May CPI report. Tomorrow we're gonna get PPI, the producers, not the consumers. The consumer price index today was nice. It showed cooling. Tomorrow, if we see the same thing from producers, we can expect that they won't pass on the cost infl- the cost their costs to us, the consumers. And it'll be a double good vibe. We'll also get a Fed meeting. But even more important with the Fed meeting, we're going to get their forward projections, expectations, which is a dot plot where it's anonymous. And each Fed member who's a voting member, actually, I think it's all Fed members. They put on a dot on where they expect the next interest rate to move higher or lower and when for the next year. That's what I'm looking for tomorrow. I want to see the dot plot. It's a really weird thing to explain, but essentially it's a graph. That's January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, November. You get the idea, right? And every month you'll see maybe one dot for higher and 12 dots for lower on interest rates. Or you'll see 12 dots higher and one dot lower. You're like, that probably means higher interest rates next month. It gives you a vibe. They don't have to follow it. There's no law, and it is anonymous. There's broad advance today in the Russell 2000. I like seeing that. That tells me that America is saying, as investors today, we don't think the recession is going to happen. I think the big tech companies are overowned. Apple is downgraded to neutral today from buy at EBS which is really interesting because I got have a covered call strategy right now on some shares with Apple. I have a concentrated position. I'm using a professional company called Spider Rock, which is available to me as a client of EP Wealth. I highly suggest if you have a concentrated position that you're gonna have to exit out of at some point in time to consider a cover call strategy while you're in the process of thinking when to get out. I would lose some shares. I would sell them at 195 in August and 200 in September. So if it hits 195, I've lost a big chunk of my change. If it doesn't, I get paid for the rate for potentially selling them. It's a very complicated strategy that can really bite you. And it does involve tax consequences. I would strongly, strongly use a professional. It's one of the benefits of using a CFP, in my opinion, is they have access to institutional products that you typically don't there's a broad advance despite some lagging mega cap stocks. So Apple is getting a downgrade today. Microsoft and Google are lower. Amazon's lower. So the Vanguard mega cap growth ETF, also known as MGK, take a look at it as the ticker. It's underperforming. And I think that's a a damn healthy sign. I'm really, really comfortable seeing that weakness today in utilities the inflation number comes down, means the Fed is probably close to stop uh, rising interest rates. And the bull market that we are now currently in can find more reasons to participate. Bull markets last a lot longer historically than bear markets. We are one day into the new bull market. A little bit too early to throw a flag down and say, aha, this feels good. But with the inflation numbers today and the small caps participating, I'm liking it again. It's going to take a little bit more than that to convince me. Now, I'm not doing anything crazy, but I will tell you there's a stock that I'm looking at uh, that I do own some AMD. It's a play on artificial intelligence ceo lisa sue is going to give a keynote address at an event in san francisco on the company's strategy in the data center and ai markets i know you're saying what did he just say nvidia said the word ai and we've got a cool chip a great chip a powerful chip an expensive chip and you saw that stock go up 150 percent this year amd is expected to reveal new details about an AI super chip that analysts believe will be a strong challenge to NVIDIA, which chips dominate the fast-growing artificial intelligence market. Now, you can wait till the story's on CNBC, or you can hear me talk about it days before it's on CNBC. Wall Street's going to expect fresh details about a chip called the MI300, AMD's most advanced graphics processing unit. This category of chip, semiconductor, not chip like Lay's potato chips that you use ranch dip with. It powers open AI. and you can develop products such as ChatGPT. Nvidia, NVIDIA dominates this market right now with 80 to 95% of the market share. Last month, NVIDIA's market cap briefly touched one trillion dollars after the company said it expected a jump in revenue. After it secured new chip sales to meet surging demand. NVIDIA has very few competitors on a large scale. There's a lot of small companies that I think are going to be acquired quickly. A company called Cerebus Systems and Samba Nova Systems have competing products. I would be very surprised if they're not acquired this year by AMD, Intel, NVIDIA, Google, Microsoft. Somebody's going to pick them up. Maybe Apple. Apple's been pretty quiet on AI.
0: One.
1: NVIDIA's biggest sales threat so far is from Alphabet's Google and Amazon's cloud unit both of which rent their uh, custom chips to outside developers AMD's new chip won't change the NVIDIA dominance right away NVIDIA's lead has come not just from its chips but for more than a decade of providing software tools to AI researchers and learning to anticipate what they will need in the chips that they can design in the future So this is not a done deal that AMD is going to catch NVIDIA. But we're in a super cycle of investing right now. You have to learn how to connect research to understand what they need to build products for them. I've got a Pints and Portfolios coming up in San Carlos, California at the end of June. Sign up for it June 25th at robblackshow.com. Get a free portfolio review. See where you're missing things for your retirement and much, much more. Join Rob Black in San Carlos Sunday, June 25th for Pints and Portfolios, a less
2: formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with 500000 or more in investable assets. Drop by Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4 for a little sunshine, some financial chit-chat, and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from ryan ignacio cfp from ep wealth advisors whether you're on the road to retirement or already there this financial snapshot can provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth go to robblackshow.com and click the events tab Find Pints and Portfolios and click to register. you will answer a few simple questions about your situation, and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited and registration is required, so go to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com